shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Yep, hi. Welcome back to the next installment of Tech Earth by Goose Daddy. I have to say, this is probably the most fun I've had on an episode so far, anyway. Uh, this week, myself and Dean caught up with um, two people that we know from a group called Enable. And what they do is they make prosthetic hands or assistive devices for children in need using 3D printing. So although technology might be in the news for all the wrong reasons over the past couple of months with Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal and all that kind of nonsense, we thought we'd take the opportunity to talk to some people who are using tech for good. So it's going to be a really interesting one, so we'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. So I'll just jump right into it. And yeah. Introduce yourselves and. So hi, my name is Jack. Um, I'm the chapter leader for the local enable community called Open Creators Limerick, and my background is I studied product design in college, and working as a researcher there in the same college UL in the space of three D printing and additive manufacturing in general. Um, and my name is Ruth. I am Ruth Zeignan. I am a volunteer with the Limerick Enable chapter. My day job is I'm the course leader for fashion and textiles for product and costume in the Limerick School of Art and Design. So my involvement, I suppose, with the Enable group is more so from maybe a textile point of view um, and kind of fabrication, that sort of work. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose. What is 3D printing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the big question. To be honest, it's um, it's really kind of been a buzzword recently, and they're describing it as the, like the third industrial revolution. Yeah. But once you kind of just get over that that hype, it's like Play-Doh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just taking raw material. Now, there's a few different types, but the most basic one that we would use, and you might see a lot of videos online, is called FDM printing, okay. fused deposition modeling, and that's just taking plastic, heating up the, the at one end. And then squeezing it through a die like Play-Doh. Sweet. That's actually, <laughs> that's actually the simplest explanation to 3D mm-hmm. printing yeah. I think I've ever gotten. Um, and then it just goes layer one, you know, my draw like a square. And then the difference between a 2D printing and 3D printing is this one now goes up a little bit. Yeah. And it's just that kind of... Layer after layer. Layer after layer, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see like that kind of... Um, the echoes of how it was made, you'll see those layer lines. Yeah. And that gives you an idea of when you look at something, it's like, oh, that was 3D printed. Yeah. Mm. No, that's true. So it's kind of like a manufacturing technique. I don't know if any of you guys know ceramics, but there's a way of making ceramics, which is called coil building, which is where you just do like little layers, like mm-hmm. rolled up layers, and you build up your shape based on that. So it is essentially just kind of coil building, but uh, yeah. mm-hmm. like... And actually, we've seen that being done in the local fab lab. There's uh, hacks and like, it's just a really good maker space. People modifying the hot end. So it takes in clay instead of plastic. And uh, you see, so um, even the ceramics course this year, where the students were using digital fabrication to, oh. you know, take traditional processes like working with clay. And now you have these modern, uh, like hybrid products that were made with like clay out of an extruded 3D printer, which is like, you know, relatively new. Yeah, that's actually yeah. really cool. I mean, most of the stories yeah. that you hear about are like the big medical yeah. breakthroughs and like, you know, they're all well and good. They're brilliant, obviously, for 
know, in the long term, but it's at the smaller end of what people can do themselves. That's yeah, really where the innovation is going to happen, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what made some of the biggest changes in 3D printing. Like it's been around since the 80s, but it was stuck in the big companies like Stratus yeah. and 3D Systems. And they hit it behind patents and stuff. And then it was only like 2009 onwards when it was put out there in the public and the kind of the hobbyist scene took over. And that's where the term like makers came into play. Mm-hmm. And it's like stuff like people working with clay, they're like, they they have a certain way of doing it. They see this is just another uh, set of tools, you know, to make things or to incorporate into their process. Even that clay stuff we talked about, they once it's 3D printed, they still stick it into the kiln like everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and still is, it, is this would it be very, very expensive to like, obviously, I'd say like uh, inside the work now, we had a thing there a few weeks ago. It's kind of like just a workshop kind of a thing they were doing. People just come in with their own little trinkets and that kind of thing. And uh, one fella brought in his own kind of like 3D, 3D uh, printing device. I don't know how much it cost him or whatever. And it, he was only making little key change for people, but it was cool actually seeing it work. Mm. But I'd say going from that spectrum, going up to the likes of 3D printing limbs, you're looking at hundreds of thousands in, in yeah. the difference. There's um, to actually develop them. The cheapest printer you can buy right now online is like 150 euros. Yeah. That's what I bought. Yeah. That, I, it's a. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it upon anyone to actually really? buy that because it's a proper, you buy that machine to put it together. It came from China somewhere and you just, but you learn about the machine. You learn about like, what does this part do? Mm-hmm. Because it's, I'm missing something. <laughs> and uh, and then you go on the other spectrum, like you said there, about half a million, you know, yeah. 700,000, yeah. 100,000. So. Wow. And they're still obviously developing new 3D. It's, it, it will still be generally in kind of the early stages you would imagine yeah. like you know it's, uh, like you can't get a really good like you said there like your 3d printer which you didn't think was great because 150 euro i mean like i can buy a regular printer now if i want a laser printer for probably a couple of hundred but standard household 3d printers you're probably looking a few years off before yeah. the price of it actually kind of comes down to like where it's affordable for the average family but in saying that then what would the average family really want it for? Obviously, we all need <laughs> printers for different reasons, Like, but you would think that maybe that kind of... Uh, I'd find great uses for it. But, like, is it like is it the new kind of ice cream maker? Is it the new sort of appliance that everyone's like, I need an ice cream maker, <laughs> and it's just going to sit in your Yeah, the novelty wars off. And every so often you're like, shit, I should 3D yeah. print something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use <laughs> a soda stream twice, and I've never touched it again. <laughs> but it looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. And it's it's interesting that you, you bring that up, because, you know, a lot of what we do is about, like, trying to say that, Anyone can be a designer, can make mm-hmm. what they want in the house. Um, I don't think everyone will have a 3D printer. Currently, the machines are still relatively dumb. Yeah. It's only mm-hmm. now we're seeing like features where the printer recognizes it's out of material or that as it was printing, something went wrong. Like the printers we use in the Fab Lab, which are, you know, let's say 12, 2017 and older, mm-hmm. they, they something goes wrong and it's up to you to figure it out. So I don't think as... We might be considered prosumers or designers or just the creative mindset. Yeah. I don't think a household will have it, but I do believe that 
in a few years, everyone will have something 3D printed in their house. Yeah, yeah. I think they probably already do. Like, there's um, an amazing amount of um, jewelry products that are already in the market and have been for years that are 3D printed. Like, when I was talking, when Jack was mentioning about ceramic students in um, LSAD using the 3D printers, what they're doing is they're, you know, printing their first version because, you know, it's so precise. You can you can make shapes that you couldn't yeah, make absolutely. in any other way. And then they're actually casting them and they're just making dies from that. And then yeah. they're actually doing like just doing the poured, um, poured clay, poured slip uh, process. So it's actually, you know, it's, it's maybe a tool within the manufacturing process, even if that isn't what is being used for the entire run. Mm. Um, and I think I think that's why areas like like uh, facilities like Fab Lab are really important because they give people access not only to that equipment but also to a level of expertise within there, and then they can bring it off and they can yeah. you know cast from mm-hmm. it or they can work in some other way from yeah. it. I think it's great that educational side of things and just in terms of how the printing has developed over the last few years I know even back in my college days which is a few years ago now uh, like I went to a show in Shannon airport and it was there was a 3d printer there and the big deal was that it used paper rather than the heated plastics and stuff like that and it was just like it was the big deal of the day and like a few years on and you're seeing things you know obviously in the, the medical space you're seeing things in the textiles space in fashion and obviously you know in creative and innovation just general tech and everything mm-hmm. so yeah. just that growth over the last few years is just means it's a very exciting time it's like it yeah. gets taken out of the news so it can actually grow yeah, yeah. i'd imagine though that the actual 3d printing part of it is the easy part i'd say having to put in the measurements and basically having to design on a computer must be a nightmare yeah. Is that is that that's what you do more or less? Would you do a lot of that? Yeah, um, I suppose yeah. We could talk about enable. And yeah, how what you do and why you do it and everything like that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like how enable kind of formed was back in. They didn't start it with the goal to make prosthetics. Funny enough, yeah. it started off with a couple, um, Jen and Ivor um, Owens, Owen in the states, and they he, um, Ivor created. A, uh, what was a robotic arm actually for a cosplay mm. and um, he, he and he shared the designs online and a carpenter in South Africa actually came across his his work and said like hey is there any way that you could modify that design which was clunky and massive and you know it was a costume yeah, yeah. can you make that because I he lost some of his fingers in, in yeah. carpentry carpentry work mm-hmm. so the two of them um, he, he, they worked together and they made a finger mm-hmm. and then that start. So once he did that for the person in South Africa, for a local child who had no hat, no fingers as well in one hand, asked if they could, could he make something for him again? Okay. So they made a monster model, just version one. And it was, it's exactly how you kind of in the first Iron Man film where like it f- had to function. Yeah. Aesthetics were out the window as long as it did what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. And it was made out of metal and it was clunky and it was uncomfortable, but it worked. Yeah. And uh, when they went back to the States, they approached um, uh, not, um, MakerBot. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. So they got involved <laughs> and they, so he was looking around at different ways. How can I make this better? Or how can I manufacture this? So they were actually involved. And they gave, 
what this wasn't enabled at that stage. Okay. They gave these two lads two printers. One was shipped out to South Africa, one was in the States. So Ivor in the States could work and refine his design and remake it instead of you know metal, plastic. Mm-hmm. And once he got the design right, he sent the files over to, to South Africa. To South Africa and he printed it. And that was the and instead of patenting the work, they made it open source. And that started so this whole movement a few years ago. Yeah. So from that, we now have a, a global community of 12,000 volunteers. Wow. States, Ireland, South America, like in Brazil, Egypt, mm-hmm. India, all of Philippines as well, all over the place. So that many people involved and it's Limerick in Ireland, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, it really is nice. really nice. Really good spot. But I think it's probably grown out of the Fab Lab, like as in the Limerick chapter. Yeah. Um, and I think, I know I sound like I'm like promoting the Fab Lab here, but I just, I, I really think it's such a fantastic space because it, like it's where we met. It's how I kind of got involved in the Enable group. Yeah. Um, I was there working on something else and the lads were working on a hand and they had straps on it and... I just asked them, I was like, why are you using those materials for the straps? Because it was like a um, like a hobby foam that was being used for the padding and like a Velcro right. that was being used for the strapping. And I was like, I can't put that on a child. <laughs> so um, it, it's like, I think um, the reason that it is successful in Limerick and the reason is because there's actually a space where all this expertise kind of flows in yeah. and people mm-hmm. like don't feel intimidated to get involved in these different projects. Yeah. yeah Fair play to the Fab Lab. Like this yeah. is all because we have that space. Yeah. Yeah. That crossover. Like, you know, I work in UL. Yeah. Ruth is in the art college and, you know, we don't cross paths that often. Yeah. Of course. The Fab Lab is like the shared watering hole you say. Yeah, yeah. it's the safe space safe space safe mm. space yeah, and between like the likes of UL and even LIT you kind of have a good kind of like mould there like Institute of Technology and one of the biggest universities in Ireland to be able to bring in some like serious talent to be able to develop future products and that kind of thing which I'd imagine you're constantly trying to do and constantly trying to improve products and that kind of thing that's it and it's definitely yeah. something that Limerick as a city I think doesn't get enough credit for half the time and you know the ability that is in the city to be able to do things and this is just another example that we found in the last couple of months mm-hmm. of people who were doing amazing things yeah and that's what and that's something that's i think we're really lucky to have because there's just so much happening and so much talent around limerick and because we're volunteer based you know following the kind of the open source movement um you get people doing this in their free time yeah mm-hmm. you know that and that's uh, that's one of the benefits of this approach where you know, you could say that, you know, your day job, you work, you work for this company, all your effort goes into that company. Yeah. Whereas uh, we're able to, in a way, steal people's skills saying like, oh, you're from LIT, but you, you do this, you do that. You, this is your discipline. It doesn't matter. Like, if you want to help, we, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And it's for a great kind of cause. Or yeah, it, it's yeah. very easy to get people to give their time for a cause that's actually yeah. so worthy. Um, yeah. And I think because, you know, I'm LIT, you're UL, we both have like, you know, really extensive faculties, like, and just like basically the knowledge of Limerick kind of yeah. at our fingertips. Yeah. So if we're kind of like, even the fingertip issue that we were trying to resolve at the last time. Yeah. So one of the latest issues we had was um, the grips on the plastic. Okay. So the go-to material is PLA, um, but it's quite 
Um, it's hard, it's glossy, it's, it's not like rubber at all. So if you grab something with bare PLA, it slips. Okay. You, can buy, you can buy these fingertips online, but we didn't have any available. So we started looking at other solutions and we came, and that's when we just started everyone at work, annoying people like, oh, what do you guys think about this? And when people were throwing suggestions, like try, try like duct tape, why don't you try this kind of material that's like sandpaper tape? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we ended up on GTEC 7. Yeah, so it's it's like a product that you dip, like for, say, tools that the grips have worn off them, you dip oh, it in. So that yeah. was the suggestion from one of our technicians yeah. in LSAD. So I just went down to our, like, army of technicians in LSAD and was like, that's, yeah, <laughs> how yeah, are we yeah. going to do this? And then when you figure out a solution like that, then you share, you, you share it to the rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah. So something like you f- figured out the finger tip issue, and now the states have that information that they can yeah. use. Yeah. So, it's 12,000 different people who are constantly fixing and improving. Uh, yeah, and building on and improving yes. and like resolving issues. And it's it's actually, but like the whole open source thing is really I highly recommend valuable. anybody to go check out the Facebook page yeah. because some of the pictures of like, you know, of the, what's the official word that you call them? Assisted devices. Assisted devices. So the you know the hens the way they're built and just how they look and the fact that you, the different colors and the styles I, I think they look amazing and you know the kids seem so happy yeah, when they get them so it's a really nice thing as well as being you know there's function there's style but there's an end mm-hmm. goal and I'm yeah i definitely think that people should have a look at if yeah. you want to tell people what, where to, to have a look at it so if you just search open creators limerick uh, into the into Facebook, you'll come across our page. We have a like page where we just kind of share things to the public, but we also have a private group page that anyone, it's open to anyone. Uh, we just keep it private so that um, if you post something in it, you have to be, you can't share out of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's just for volunteers, for families, you know, and that's where we share like, you know, we come across a link or like a cool video of another prosthetic or assisted device and we shared in that group yeah mm-hmm. and uh and then that group is also connected to the global enable uh facebook pages so it's all connected and that's it. really cool so if there was people will say in like galway or cork or dublin or other parts of ireland that wants to like get involved or have ideas or advice i assume you're always open to yeah to getting more people on board yeah. so feel free oh, to feel free. get in contact and um, we also have a series of open days generally they'll be held on Saturdays and um, they happen in the fab lab mm-hmm. and um, anyone can kind of like pop in just like take a nose around to yeah. look at the equipment look at what we're working with um, because I suppose maybe from my point of view like I'm a, a fashion designer by training and that's what I work in um, a lot of the technologies that are being used in places like the fab lab are kind of alien to me and yeah. um, were really intimidating at the start. Um, so coming into a place, you start to realize that you know you have skills or you have knowledge that actually applies to these new technologies. Just You just kind of have to like change your mindset. So there's people, people coming from like just all these different areas like mm. uh, osteopaths and- um, Physiotherapists, physios. Yeah. mechanical engineers, product designers. <laughs> That's correct. Just and the fact as well that you have obviously the open days and the open group on Facebook, people who wouldn't have even thought about getting into this kind of thing, like could be like, they could probably do this better and then they could just go down like and yeah. job. Yeah. 
we're, we're always pushing that like yeah. if you see some an opportunity or you see something that's wrong that and you think it can be done better just say it it's yeah and, exactly yeah. but like i suppose in a way that's something you have to be careful about because like there's so much iteration happening overseas that even some of the biggest improvements from the hands they weren't people who traditionally made prosthetics. They came from guitar makers, for example. Okay. You know, they have an understanding of tension and how to distribute that weight. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, things like that, that like, that's amazing and like- That you wouldn't even think of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we see. And that's exactly for exact, that's exactly what happened when Ruth got involved. Mm. It, I'm gonna put my hand up and say, we got carried away with the 3D printing, yeah. you know, with the plastics. Yeah. And there's, you know. The, the crux of the designer. So yeah, exactly. Like I get to play my time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, there's parts in the final product that aren't 3D printed, uh, the, the string, the padding, the, the, yeah. the how to secure to the body. Yeah. yeah. And it was great to have, well, we have every, we meet up every week uh, where the Fab Lab hosts the Maker's Night. And that's just a show and tell, or just a time frame when people can come in and show what they're working on or give advice or you know that kind of way mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened with Ruth she saw something that I was working on and she asked there's a simple question why are you using that pattern <laughs> <laughs> and, and my answer was oh, with a face of disgust though. yes <laughs> a, face of, a face of disgust and I just said uh, that's just what everyone else was doing yeah and um, when we talk to other people from different chapters or people involved in Enable UL or not UL sorry UL you know our college LSAD just Limerick in general we actually pride pride ourselves on being an R&D chapter because you can manage because it's open source and yep. we don't actually have a hierarchy of like who's the boss man and yep. all this stuff um, we took we wanted to focus on improving the designs and kind of a design led uh, like user user centered design led approach and um so we, we may not produce a lot of hands, like mm-hmm. France is the biggest chapter. They're like, they're France, they're, they're the whole they're, country, whereas yeah, we're Limerick. Yeah, yeah. And they can turn out stuff at a completely different rate too. Yeah. And they're about taking the current designs and trying to get them as, out to as many kids as possible. Whereas we are, we're the same, much smaller scale, but yeah. we're also asking, constantly asking, how can we make this better? And that's yeah. actually how the, the fingertips issue came about. We mm-hmm. weren't satisfied with, we, we one, we didn't have the current uh, fingertips, but then we wanted to see what could we do to, as a workaround. Yeah. yeah, if it's reducing costs, if it's improving the experience or anything like that. And it's really cool, the fact that, I suppose we don't have the scale in Ireland to produce at the same level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do, use what we're good at. Yeah, that's it. Improve yeah. things for everybody else, really. And how many would you kind of, um, like how many requests would you get for them kind of like in, I don't know, how long has uh, Fabla been there now in Limerick? Fabla has been there for it's over it. four years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was the capital city of culture. It was one of the city of culture initiatives, as far as I know, so that yeah, would have been 2014. Yeah. Then Year of Irish Design was 2015. So there was mm. some other projects that uh, worked. It came about from the School of Architecture. Oh, yeah. In um in UL as a as a module, <laughs> and it, it kind of just blew up from there. Yeah. And now they're part of the school of design, which is architecture and product designers. Mm-hmm. And, and at the moment, is it just kind of hands you're doing, or are you constantly developing other body parts like feet or? Well, so primarily, it seems to be that there just seems to be a big backlog for hands or yeah. upper limb um devices. 
Because I suppose maybe the HSC are prioritizing lower limb devices, it kind of makes sense, they're more functional more quickly. Um, whereas with upper limb devices, it's, you know, kids grow at such a rate that by the time they're, um, by the time they're measured and the device is actually yeah. manufactured, chances are they've grown out of it. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably, it, it seems to me, and I suppose since I got involved in Neonatal, it's been, I've just become very aware, like you'd see people um, with like um, upper limb impairment or um, no upper limbs. Yeah. Like, limb differences, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like fairly constantly. And I, I don't think a lot of, um, especially children in Ireland, don't seem to get their upper limbs until they've kind of like grown out of that very rapid growing stage. Yeah. So yeah. how does the process work for somebody to to, to get it? You know, to get a device. A device. I mean, is it a case that they come to you or you're looking or what? what's the process and how does that all work? We try to keep it casual. Like we try to, you know, we're not medical professionals. We're not saying this is a prosthetic, but we will be professional in how we do things. Okay. Um, and we try to make that very clear. The first thing we use, we actually try to match expectations. Yeah, Some people come in thinking that this is, you know, a robotic arm of the future. Terminator yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It isn't. It's a simple clasping mechanism currently, yeah. and uh, we try to keep it casual. You know, like yeah. you guys, you were doing with this. You yeah. know, keep mm-hmm. it keep it real, keep it casual, yeah. plain English that anyone can understand. So we have these open days where it's like an interactive exhibition. You can come in, look, you know, stay for two seconds, stay for four hours. We've had people do that, and you come to us and you you know say that I'm interested or I'm for my son or daughter to get a device, mm-hmm. and we'll just say we'll tell them about enable like we everything we said here today, yeah. show them the devices and get them to pick them up and interact with them and say, is this what you want? Mm-hmm. And if they say yes, the next stage is then to uh, take the measurements and Enable actually have tools online uh, because they've been doing it so long. Yeah. So it actually helps to join in late yeah. uh, and we follow the, their guidelines and it tends to be uh, fine function um, function first so which device suits you so there could be like wrist operated ones so mm-hmm. that's for people who have a functioning wrist okay. or it could be someone with a functioning elbow so mm-hmm. that almost puts you into subcategories and then we take the measurements so that's using photos and just an actual just measuring tape yeah yeah. I didn't know that there was going to be that, that many different yeah. like attachment methods I guess whether it's elbow wrist fingers yeah. whatever mm. Just work back. So you work back. If you stuck your hand out right now and do it, <laughs> and then just just work your way back per joint, yeah, yeah, and say like, what's the last thing you have work that's that has motion, yeah, and then that gives us an idea of okay, well, that's the wrist, point we're working from. That's where we're going to work from. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then once you have uh, a device that that suits you, then we take the measurements, and then that gives us the scale to change the actual model, and then we ask the Mm. What the kids really like is what color do you want it in? Yeah, I saw one there. There was a kid, he had a Captain America kind of colored one on the website. But yeah, is it kind of like you kind of let the kids as well? It's kind of a fun part of it as well from, you know, you give them a choice of what color they want or whatever. Well, it's like um, 
but that's just human nature and mm. I think that's really important to actually get buy-in if somebody's going to be using a device for the first time mm -hmm. like especially if it's a small child like you have to have that level of buy-in so that they'll actually like you know work with it until they figure it out because mm -hmm. you know it to go from having no hand or to actually trying to get it to function like there is a learning process yeah. so the mm -hmm. more kind of bought in they are with regard to the design the better and the more like the more they're willing to work with it and that's why um they're very much involved in the design process that yeah, it is something as simple as what color would you like just makes such a difference to a child because they feel like i've picked this and yeah. now that's mine and i want that yeah. and that's, that's really what, that's, that's really what cool. we see that's really yeah. cool and it's also kind of taking i suppose the dissemination of them out of a medical setting because perhaps like the child or the person has been only ever like you know dealing with this in maybe a very clinical yep. sort of thing whereas yeah. then this is more of a kind of you know fun experience yeah. involved in it i thought how you approached it in one of the last open days was really interesting uh you were there with a family and you, you know they were picking the garments for the padding inside a device okay. And it was like getting a tailor suit made. How you yeah, so she had like loads of fabric samples and she had them on her shoulder <laughs> and she was like looking in the mirror and she was just like rubbing them against her skin. And it was like a fun part of the process and one of her siblings was like, I want <laughs> so that's, it, a, that's actually amazing. Yeah. But it's, it's that, and I think that's really important that um, they're involved in the process, that there's as much buy-in as possible. Yeah. Like it's, and like, like you see that across like loads of different kind of like, you know, um, medically adapted clothing or stuff like, you know, kind of like fun slings and stuff like that. Or like, you yeah. know, putting the color in the train tracks and stuff. It, yeah. You know, it is in mm. order to kind of like get somebody invested in it. it ha yeah. There has to be like a personalized sort of design element to it. And yeah. that's really important. I think the only other question that I have um, would be, and you were talking about the rapid growth, obviously kids of like ages 8 to 16 are going to grow ridiculous rates um, how often do they get refitted or is the device built in such a way that it they can, you know, adjust, they can, the strap they can adjust the strapping to grow with them or there's a bit of fine tuning the plastic if you get a hairdryer you can mm, melt it slightly yeah. not to say that's going to fall apart but it makes it like malleable okay so a hairdryer dipping in hot water makes it like a gum shield almost yes right. it's exactly <laughs> like that yeah. yeah so if it gets too tight which happened to someone in the past hair dryer and it just you just open it up a bit mm -hmm. more and it fits but we've seen depending on the age you're talking like over six months to a year and you'd recommend uh you'd probably you'd recommend to come back and get come a new again, one. Then. yeah yeah and have you seen Kind of regulars come back to get refitted or yeah. every every few months or so we've seen the people who who knew about us since the very beginning last march mm. have come back and got device devices since yeah and i'd imagine as well like kids being kids they might get sick of like the colors that they have or something like that like and they might come back in after like three or four months in. or do you ever find that kids might come back in or families might come in out they might break it somehow yeah yeah um, because obviously they're going to be strong and they're durable, but they're not indestructible. Not if a phone is an indestructible, a computer is an indestructible. So yeah. kids being kids, they'll find a way. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, yeah, they do break. And we actually try to just let the families know that it's okay if it breaks. Don't yeah. You don't have to be precious with these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and it, it something could have come undone like a knot for yeah. one of the fingers mm-hmm. and it just like the finger just doesn't move anymore and they think like well if they come back to us no it's okay they could do it themselves we give the, when we give the devices now we give them spare parts and oh, if yeah. not we can just send it we just encourage them to just send us an email because it's really quick for us to print a new part and send it back to them mm-hmm. and like so even last saturday we were giving one of the devices and we did the final kind of stringing of the hand and so the family were there kind of like watching it and like you know sort of seeing that it was happening you know with you know, gut and fires yeah. and stuff like that, but it wasn't, you know, like a surgical kind of procedure. It yeah. was just us having a chat, stringing up fingers. So, um, <laughs> that sounds like such a weird day. It's like, yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? T- tying a finger up. <laughs> yeah. Cause I said to somebody, I was like, Oh, I have, I can't do that on uh Saturday. I'm giving a hand to somebody in Fab Lab. And they're like, what are you giving them a hand with? And to what extent then um, would this kind of going from having no hand to having this uh, this um, uh, prosthetic hand? What can the kids actually? So how um, mobile is it? How functional is it? It's well, like Jack said, it's like you know, kind of a clasp. Um, so yeah, it's not clothes. there isn't like you know full dexterity in the fingers oh, yeah, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So. Yet we yeah. had somebody <laughs> complaining that he wasn't able to stick up his fingers <laughs> wearing yeah. one of the devices, or like use your other hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's you know it there's still there's still work to be a done. Lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's still um you know it still does function as a hand. You know mm. there's grip and the last device we did like you know there's grip and it's it's strong. You're like, able to just hold like a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. You know without and you can hold something else yeah um, and that's something that's a global issue we're trying to uh that enable face you know there's a lot of emphasis and i think you just get caught up in the media where like most people came got involved in enable through their interest of 3d printing yeah. mm-hmm. that's what happened to me yeah. yeah and um once you kind of get past that you and you start we need to remember that we need to have follow-up conversations with the families and get actual, you know, feedback, feedback yeah. you know, uh, about, you know, what you, how, did you, how long did you use the device for? What, what tasks? And we're seeing that there's an actual rise on task-specific devices. Okay. And I think it's really important to note that, you know, kids or these people, they don't want hands. They want what the hands do. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't need to look like a hand, like a, a one of the founders came to UL and that's came to the Fab Lab and and was telling us stories about Enable and that's actually how I got involved and how this group came about. Um, a few of us came together after attending her talk, mm. like one of the founders, and uh, she was telling us a story about a boy called Luke. You know, he wanted a hand, but he wanted an extra thumb on it, so two <laughs> thumbs, <laughs> you know, six fingers. Why not? <laughs> and he's like, he just wanted to hold his juice card in. And he's like, he didn't care what the hand looked like. And then yeah. he had like a different attachment to hold Uno cards so he can play with his brother. Ah, that's, you know, that's That's cool. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's also the, where we're kind of going, I think, as a, as a group where yeah. we're, we want to be that kind of R&D group, as we said. Um, and we want to create these kind of task specific things, but not just assistive, not just hands, but like assistive devices, you know, yeah. can we, can we take what we're doing here, what we're doing here? And apply it to producing objects for stroke victims or, you know, mm-hmm. people with other needs. Yeah. And 
that's maybe where we're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because previously, like we've done, like spoken to some people and some adults who would have, um, you know, obviously gone through their childhood without, like, you know, with missing limbs. And like, you know, kind of hearing about their experience first and foremost with, you know, some of the prosthetic devices that they were actually given, like, and people not that long ago in Ireland were getting like solid plaster of Paris hands, like arms hanging mm. off mm. children that I can't even imagine how much they would have weighed yeah. that were strapped the whole way across their oh, body. Geez. And it's just, it, it's going to bring other problems. Like. It's other problems, but it was merely cosmetic. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't any way functional. It was just yeah. like carrying yeah. around a big lump of plaster. And as you said, it's not about the co- cosmetics or the aesthetics. It's about the functionality. It's about the functionality. Yeah. Um, and so one of the women we were talking to, she was saying that for one of her devices, there was like a pin attachment. And she only ever used to, the pin attachment was to attach the device. She only ever wore the pin because she realized she could play Nintendo with the pin. And that's the only thing she ever used it for. So like she, whereas the other aspect of it was totally non-functional. So she only ever used, because all she wanted to do was, well, not all she wanted to do, but the only task she required her device for was playing Nintendo. Which is the legitimate reason. Very legitimate. I don't know, I've never played Nintendo. Mm. (laughs) We had to fix that. I I probably should be (laughs) We can cut that out, can't we? No, no. Um, no, um, the, like, I suppose the, the, the just even the only question I think I haven't asked that's kind of important is how is this funded? Because I know people are probably going to be interested in how is it funded and what happens with the money side of things, I guess. Jack's a millionaire. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Secret millionaire, I wish. Um, just personal donations. Yeah. And uh, like even the printers we have access to, these are, like I said, people who were involved in 3D printing. So they bought a print and then... You mentioned it earlier where like this guy came in, he was printing his trinkets. Mm. It's once you get past that, okay, I just printed the, like 500 keychains. Mm. What can I do next? <laughs> and that's how we find people or that's how yeah. we just tap into other resources and through donations or we ask people, they're like, oh, how can I help? And like, well, if you buy us this, this and this, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. So it may not be like cash. We yeah. don't, but yeah. we'll tell them like, oh, we'd love to. Like pink is really popular. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to buy more pink PLA, that'd be fantastic. Um, like it doesn't run on a lot of money either. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah Relatively it's... inexpensive so, to develop. Yeah, so like topic. the hands are open source. We we don't charge people for a device if they go looking if they want cool. one. Yeah. We couldn't charge them if we wanted to because of the open source licensing. No, yeah. Even then, it's amazing. Of they don't. Mm-hmm. But to just to tell you perspective, like some of these. Full blown prosthetics are like you know seven seven thousand euros. Let's say yeah. Yeah. we can print a device for twenty five euros. Yeah. That's so just if somebody wants to don- donate some extra material yeah. or somebody knows someone with a printer. Would. Yeah, to, you know. if someone like gets after this get gets a hold of us and say, hey, you know, I have a three D printer and I'm based in Galway or I'm based in Cork. That's great for us to know because yeah. if if a family contacts us from Cork, we can redirect them to that person mm-hmm. and just send them the files yeah like, i have no other questions so if you want to use this as your <laughs> pitch before we wrap up mm-hmm. no, plug kind of 
Um, what I just say, if you're interested in being involved in any capacity, like don't think you have to be a 3D printing wizard or don't think that your skills won't be useful, like whatever your area, whatever your interest is, you know, it is useful. I, I never thought I'd be involved in something like this. Like I, like the hilarity of me being interviewed for a tech podcast is hilarious. <laughs> the only app I use on my phone is the calculator. So uh, <laughs> great app. <laughs> it's a great app. So it's, you know, your whatever skills you have come along and, you know, get involved. You'll pick up what you need to know along the way. Um, and also for anyone who actually needs an assistive device, or they know anyone, point them in our direction. It's it's really open um, and like we'd love to hear from you and help you out if possible. Yeah. So what, where, where or how is the best way to contact you? Is it the website? Is it the Facebook? Or? We actually have a website. Uh, it's under construction at the moment. So the best oh, way yeah. currently is to just search Open Creators Limerick into Facebook and just to send a message on our I like page. Yeah, cool. And we'll be sure to share that page as well. So yeah, that fantastic. Our own, uh, guys be, will be able to see it. It'll be linked in through. But mm-hmm. no, I think it's amazing work you're doing. So thanks for, you know, meeting up with us and talking about it because it's not only great to talk about, you know, Limerick doing well. Yeah. But, you know, the, the job you do is brilliant. And, and have you got any open days happy. coming up that anyone can go to? or uh, No open days. The Fab Lab is unfortunately closed in August just to prepare for the students in September. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, just contact us on Facebook. There's actually um, another group based up in Tala. Okay. Um, you'll find them recommended on our on our like page. And uh, we do know individuals based up in Donegal as well and in Cork. Like cool. small groups of people, but mm-hmm. they're, they're there. They're yeah. there. Um, and any open days will be um, shared and posted on the facebook page yep. so if you want to come along and, and see what it's all about yeah. yeah or any of the other facilities in the fat lab or um so there yeah there's that stuff on sweet and cool i'm happy to wrap up with that yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's... cheers for having us all thanks right. for having us i suppose before we go we'll give our own uh, yeah. links of where you can contact us so yeah, look, if you like the podcast, uh, just give us an overview on any of the apps that you use to listen to the podcast. We're now on ACAST, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, pretty much everybody by our Spotify, because that's taken a lot more time than expected. You can also get in touch with us on the Facebook account at Goose.E, on Twitter at Goose underscore E, and obviously Instagram and the rest of the jazz. So, yeah, again, thanks. And okay, thanks. Next time. Cheers. 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 And there you have it. I told you it'd be a good one, didn't I? Who knew 3D printing could, you know, do so much and do so much good? Even then, who would have thought that Little Old Limerick in Ireland would be such a hot spot for open creation and research and development of prosthetics and assisted devices for children in need? I think they do great work. I hope you all feel the same. So if you uh, feel like getting involved, helping out, or even just donating to them, you know where to find them. And now you know where to find us. And as ever, if you like the podcast, leave us a review or check us out on any of the social media channels. Until next time, good luck and goodbye.